Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome to the Cucina Aurora Kitchen Witchery Podcast. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on our series, Conversational Witchcraft. Uh, Guys, today we have, oh my God, it's the amazing Amy Blackthorne. Okay, I'm like ridiculously excited, and you'll see why as soon as we get into this. Uh, as soon as we get into this interview. But let me tell you a little bit about Amy. She's amazing. She is a professional intuitive and a best-selling author of Blackthorn's Botanical Magic, Sacred Smoke, and Blackthorn's Botanical Brews, which is incredible. I have it right here. It's in. It's incredible. She has appeared on HuffPo Live, Netflix Top 10 Secrets and Mysteries, in an episode about supernatural abilities, and the AP Newswire. Amy lives in Delaware, and she is currently writing Blackthorn's Protection Magic, A Green Witch's Guide to Self-Defense. How cool. I can't wait to get into this with you. Amy, thank you for being here. I am ridiculously excited to have you. I'm so tickled to be here. Oh, I love that you use the word tickled. So generally, totally you know, good. I'm like, don't fucking tickle me. But in this case, let's be tickled. There is consent. There is oh, consensual tickling on, on the Kachina Aurora <laughs> podcast. That's 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 a new one. Um, so, OK, I had sworn that we had never met. But then you were like, I met you at this place and I bought this stuff from you. And now I'm looking at your face in like real time and I'm like, Maybe we have met in person. <laughs> have we? We totally have. We to- at Spoutwood. Spoutwood. Yep. Every year since the, the beginning, beginning of, of time. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Spoutwood <laughs> Fairy Festival. I miss it. I'm very sad. Don't you though? I mean, there was something for those of you who have never been to a fairy festival at all. Um, this was like the one that all others should be compared to, in my opinion. Would you agree? Agreed. Agree. Right. Now, what was your first experience at Spoutwood? Oh, goodness. Um, my older sister is three years older than I am. So she started going with her friends when she was a teenager. And I got to see the posters in the local witchy stores. And they're just really complex and beautiful and such tiny, amazing details. It really makes you believe that you have to be at this event. Mm -hmm. Little tiny mushrooms and fairies and wings and amazing things. And it gives adults the chance to give themselves a childhood that they didn't have. I didn't have it. I don't Mm -hmm. know about anybody else. Um, But I did not have one. Uh, So the minute my sister came back and I was old enough to, I had a car and I could go, I'd I'd pile friends in the, the, my, I had an 88 Buick Skyhawk. Oh my God. uh, And we venture into the, into uh, Glen Rock, Pennsylvania. I grew up, I I was born and raised in Shrewsbury, which is the next little town over. So once we moved to Hereford, which is on the, on the Maryland side of that line, it was like, okay, I can go and do a thing. I know where I'm going. Let's have an adventure. Wow. I, that's amazing that you have been going there since you were in your teens. I mean, yeah. I I didn't really discover the um, like the fairy culture um, in that way until God, until I was well into my into my twenties, uh, my late twenties, mm. and it was because of my company, Kachina Aurora, because I started doing events, and uh, people were like, "Oh, you should do this one." You're like, "All right, yeah, I'll do that." One. And then eventually. We started doing bigger shows in in different places. I'm originally from New York, and mm-hmm. now now I live up here um, in New Hampshire. But uh, you know, people would have would say, "Oh, you got to do Spoutwood. You got to do Spoutwood." And I'm like, "I don't. What what is this this thing? This the, the, you know this legendary? What is this?" And then we we started. I started applying to be a vendor because you know, especially in the early days of of my company, I was like, I can't afford to go someplace. But if I can make it a business expense right then I can go to this event I can write off everything it will pay for itself and then I'm good to go so um we we started getting we you know, we're on the waiting list for that show for like three years and um to, to vend and then eventually they were like hey yeah do you want to come out I was like oh my do I want to what kind of question is that? What kind of fucking question is that? Um, and for us, it's a 10-hour drive, 10-hour, 12-hour, something like that, um, coming down from New Hampshire. And, uh, I mean, to be honest, the whole anticipation of the whole thing was 
just, you know, even this driving and as a, I mean, now did you vend at Spoutwood as well? Or did you just come as a patron? No, no, I just went as a, as a patron. I, my, one of my dearest friends was always, always had her tent there mm-hmm. for years and years. Uh, Mayfair Moon corsets and costumes. Mayfair she was Moon, amazing. a couple doors down from yes. you always. Um, Nikki is amazing and yeah. has been a dear friend for almost 20 years. Yeah. And so I was like, I, I can chill in her tent when it gets hot and the, the sun's too ridiculous. Yeah, I can yeah. I can have some water and a place to sit down. Yeah. And I, I was worried that if I vended, then I would lose some of the magic and the freedom. It's it's a true thing. It's a true thing that when you vend a show like that, you definitely lose. Although, okay, so, okay, I'm just going to be like really super honest. <laughs> yes. I love having my own space. I love having my own space to retreat and I do not patron well. Like I, do, I always feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. Um, and off in places where the company is well known, people are like, oh, you're the girl with the olive oil. Oh, you're the, you know, and I'm like, yes, I am. Thank you. I really want to watch this show right now. You know, so <laughs> I need I need a sandwich. Please back up right, a bit. Right. And, and and I love that, but it yeah, um I like having the space to retreat and be like, okay, um, I'm you know, I can be me in this avenue and then me in that avenue, and then if I feel like I need a break, I could go back to the booth. Um, you know, I I think I would have loved to have seen Spoutwood as just a patron, but there's mm-hmm. such a, a culture amongst the other vendors uh, that we, where you get to get there a little early and then you leave after everyone else is gone. So there's a magic that happens in all of these, in all of these spaces, you know, whether it's uh, Spoutwood Fairy Festival or some of the larger pagan gatherings, there's a magic that happens in those before and after hours. Would you agree? Oh, yes. My favorite part is where you, everybody's setting up and you're sort of keeping your eye out at that one booth that's had your eye. Yeah. And you're like, oh, hey, if you if you want to trade, I like, I got some olive oil, you got some fairy exactly. wings, like, let's do a thing. That's yeah. my favorite. Yes. Yes. And like the seeing everyone arrive, you know, um, and I, I love, so kind of a tangent, but uh, a million years ago, I used to work at Disney World and mm-hmm. it was also that same sort of like I loved arriving before guests and I loved leaving after guests because you get to kind of like soak in the energy of the before and after um, as opposed to when you're in the middle of it where you're just like, ah, everything is happening so fast, you know. Um, so it was such a pity that this, for everybody's listening, going, oh my God, we have to go to Spoutwood. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. They well, moved, sort of, sort, sort of, does. sort of. The, the issue uh, was that the grounds, it was called Spoutwood Fairy Festival because it's on uh, a farm, a giant privately owned farm called Spoutwood Farm. And that is no longer, the farm is still there, but the event got too big that uh, the town basically said, you you can't do this here anymore. Um and that was a fun year when we had all the mudslides happening and like cars were sliding down and things were flooded. Uh, so cars were flipped upside down on their heads. Yeah. Like like you it destroyed yeah. the area where we had parked for 30 years. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. ridiculous. So unfortunately they cannot have that show there any longer, but they have moved it to, uh, they call it now it's the Marshy Pond Spring Festival or Summer Festival. But, uh, um, Spout was always Beltane weekend or like the weekend closest to Beltane. And now Marshy Pond, I want to say, is... Litha. Litha, yeah. It's the closest to midsummer, So it's like, you know, mid-June. Um, but definitely for those listening, check it out because holy fuck, it's amazing. Uh, and apparently that's where we met. Totally, totally. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. A million years ago. Um, yeah. So now, Amy, I... I'm loving the Botanical Bruise book. Oh. Okay. So I, I will tell you flat out, I am not much of a alcoholic beverage consumer. It's mm-hmm. simply not. I always order fancy drinks. Like I'll go out somewhere and I'm like, oh, this drink looks amazing. It's made with elderberry liqueur and pomegranate juice and pickled artichokes or whatever. And I'm like, it looks amazing. 
<laughs> it looks amazing. I want to, and I'll spend $12 on a drink. I'll take one sip and I'm like, oh, I don't like it. Um, and then I wind up with uh, seltzer. So like tonight when I'm drinking it, this is my fancy drink for you, Amy. It's um, seltzer with a splash of pomegranate juice. That's, Yum. that's how fancy I am. Um, but one of the things I really love about uh, botanical brews, Blackthorns botanical brews, for those of you that um, don't have it, get it, um, is that you... You add, you add these, like, you know, if you don't want to make it alcoholic, you could do this or things that you could substitute. So can you tell me why you decided to, to add that specifically? Oh, it was, it was the, one of the first things I made sure that I decided, like when you're, you're writing, you have these things and you, you have your musts. And uh, as a children of alcoholics, I, it was mandatory that I provided sober solutions and sober substitutions to make sure that even though it, even though there's alcohol in the book, I wanted to make sure that no one left felt left out. I was in, I have a chronic migraine patient and for a year I was on a, one of the drugs that they give everyone. It's awful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you can't, you can't have any alcohol. Yeah. It's, 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 it would do very bad things to you. Um, I thought it was just a suggestion. So uh, a friend and I are at a home show and they had a, a mead tasting and they had these little thimbles of mead that mm-hmm. you could taste. That is Lilu singing her song. I hear the Lilu puppy. <laughs> um, but I got a thimble full of this beautiful mead. And we walk away. I figure this thimble can't possibly be anything to, to interact. And I start giggling like a lunatic and telling my friend who I'm there with, I can feel my feet. <laughs> like it was bad. <laughs> oh, my God. Sober Amy for uh, at least a year. Um, I don't drink a lot, um, because my parents are alcoholics. Um, it's, it's something that I enjoy. So if I'm going to enjoy it, I know I, I, I need that, that level of control that says I'm yeah. going to have one, so I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. It's going to be something that's really artful and evocative and important rather than just something to do because it's Friday. Mm, what a, what a good point. Now that must've been, obviously that's a struggle to be, um, raised in a situation where there was strife around alcoholic beverages and then to be able to heal in an emotional and spiritual way to come out on the other side and be able to create such a beautiful piece of work, uh, around something that could potentially be really uh, harmful or triggering for you. How, How hard was that for you? It, it was, there was definitely some work. Uh, luckily, I am a fabulous person who um, is under the care of an incredible therapist who I adore. Um, it was, it was very interesting because it's something that I felt, I felt like magic sort of happens around these, these beautiful, potent beverages. Uh, my, my background is British traditional witchcraft and we used real, um, potable beverages um, in our rituals um, more often than not. Uh, We always made sure we had apple cider and things like that for, for our sober um, friends, especially at an open event. But uh, it was really important to me that it be given this space of not just solemnity, but respect and honor. And do we have a puppy in the room? Oh yes. Lily is, is, coming up for her and for those of us that are going to be able to watch this video we may be able to see i see a little tiny puppy face she's not a little (laughs) tiny puppy she's a big pity girl she's a big big girl oh her name is lilu and she's a rescue pity and she's just i could just see her eyebrows and she loves her mama oh my doodle it's a good girl go lay down She's got to go into her bed. Oh, yes. This is where her mama is, so she has a bed yes, in here, too. Yes. I, I, I have lost the cats. They were eating, but now they're like, oh, fuck you. You're not paying attention to me. I'm out. Um, so so you were saying that um, you really wanted to give specifically alcoholic libation a certain level of respect because of what you've been through. Exactly. Yeah. I understood that it's really... Um, a powerful thing. And where we find power, we have magic. Um, it can be really incredible and very intense in, in ritual. And um, especially if you're um, able to enjoy ecstatic dance or, or 
ritual movement, especially, all of these things really fit well together. So I wanted people to understand that, okay, yeah, some you, you see advertisements for adult beverages, you know, the Super Bowl, there's, there's beers, but there really is magic in that reverence in that moment that we can embrace, but not to excess. Right. There's a difference between indulgence and overindulgence there. And, exactly. and, and I think that's, that's true with, with everything, you know, I feel like everything is about balance and whether it's food or drink or sex or magic, whatever it is, extremism in any form, in my opinion, is not good. So if you're an extremist when it comes to, I'm going to drink all my beer, um, <laughs> probably not great. You know, if you're extremist when it comes to chocolate, again, probably not great. Um, so I think that's, I think that's really, really important. And, and you, you know, um, you made a point in saying that there's magic around the reverence for um, specifically these, you know, uh, adult beverages, you know, just specifically saying like alcoholic beverages, you know, as a kitchen witch, I definitely feel like there is, and, and I've talked about this before, the alchemy of kitchen witchery. The taking one thing, creating something that nourishes the body. The alchemy, I think, of brewing, the alchemy of distilling, um, you know, the aging process of wine. There is so much magic in that, um, not to mention skill and art. Uh, can you speak a little bit to, to that, to the magic of that? Absolutely. Uh, one of the first realms of magic that we have in historical record is the magic of brewing, which was uh, in these times, it was the, the sole purview of women until people realized they could make a buck off it. And then this, then this <laughs> until sort men, of got pushed until, out. <laughs> until men, reali men realized they could make a, a buck off Not that we're, we don't man bash here. We don't, we don't do that because men are amazing, but mm, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, Yes, this, the idea of transformation, the idea of a cauldron being a vessel of transformation and itself a liminal space is so incredibly magical because think about wine. If you do just one tweaked little thing wrong, you wind up with vinegar instead of wine. Right. <laughs> it's once we go into those liminal spaces, once we go into the crucible of transformation, you don't know what comes out on the other side. You can guess through practice and study and careful acknowledgement of the, the alchemical process, but you're not guaranteed anything. You're not even guaranteed to come back out of that crucible. Um, I am living proof of this thing. Um, how do you mean, how do you mean you're living proof? I, I went into my second degree, my, my, you know, in, in traditional craft, there's, there's challenges that happen over time. Um, but it turned out that my, my third degree challenge uh, was to live to see another day. Uh, I was uh, killed by a truck. <laughs> uh, I died. I was I was declared dead. Oh my I broke, goodness! I broke all my bones. And oh my I, and goodness! They declared me dead on the scene. I was gone. I was not here. Um, that, Holy that crucible shit, can be very baby. literal. <laughs> when? When? How long ago was this? Uh, Two thousand two. Whoa. Yeah, it was like five minutes after I turned 21. Uh, he fell asleep behind the wheel and uh, tractor trailer does not. It's not forgiving. That's not forgiving. Doesn't mend well with, a, doesn't mix well with bones. Oh I broke 27 bones in one shot and spent the next year in the hospital. Learning how to live again. Yes. I was told I'd never walk again, like probably a week in. And it you're like, a, I'm Amy fucking Blackthorn, hey, fuck you, bitches. It's <laughs> so like, I'm going to do what now? Fuck that shit. <laughs> I had just gotten my black belt three months before. Uh, wow. and, and, the, and the doctor's like, this is really the only reason you're still alive. Wow. The level of physical fitness you have, the, the strength and the determination that you have. Uh, other people call it stubborn. I prefer to say tenacity. Tenacious. <laughs> tenacity. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Tenacity is a thing. But, uh, yeah, they were like, hey, you know, you're probably never going to walk again. And it took five years before I could really walk, you know, as a, like a person. Wow. Um, so so when you're talking about transformation, <laughs> we're, we're not just discussing this, in, you know, 
you know, all the, the stirring the cauldron and, and the alchemical, alchemical process of changing grapes into wine, we're literally talking about you leaving one life and entering another yes. through chaos. Mm-hmm. How has that affected your magical workings? Oh, that's such a good question. So I was, I was in my first coven. Uh, so I, I found my first book of witchcraft when I was 11. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I came out of the broom closet to my family when I was 15. And so the minute I turned 18, I was I ran out and joined the first coven I could find. Never do that. Never do Just, that. <laughs> never do never that. Do that. <laughs> Don't marry um, the first you... guy you date. Don't join your the first coven you find. Yeah. Nope. Those of you playing the home game, do your research. It's date around a bit. It's good stuff. By the same token, though, <laughs> you may learn what you don't want. That's absolutely valid. And just do a little positive <laughs> spin there. So go on, go on. Um, so I was already, I had already had it in my mind, the witch that I was and the witch that I was going to be. I was in training to become a member of the clergy. This, there was a teaching coven, not a, you know, sit and admire the pretty lights coven. And so I... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, call it what things, it is. Stuff can be two things. It, it, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Call it what it is. Uh, but I, it was really important to acknowledge not just that I had been no longer living for a bit. Um, it was actually a lot longer than anybody actually wants to not be, <laughs> to not be alive. Um, but it was so important to embrace that life that I had sort of taken back for myself. Um, I was, I was given a choice um, on that, on the other side of the veil saying, Hey, it's not actually your time. Do you, um, do you want to stay or do you want to go? Like, think about the stuff that you'd miss. Think about your reasons for coming back, like make an informed decision. Right. Right. And, and I said, I, you know, I've got, I've got so much stuff I really want to do. You're so young, 21. Yeah. Wow. And barely living for those 21 years. So I definitely knew that I, there was, there was things I needed to accomplish. And so I, I made the choice to come back. Uh, they actually revived me in the helicopter, flying me to the trauma center. Oh my God. Oh goodness. Um, but yeah, it was, I broke both my arms, both my legs, my pelvis, my face, my nose, my orbital. Like I, I was just a smunched person. So it, it made sure that my magic, that my witchcraft, that my understanding of magical practice was solely rooted in myself, Mm. Uh, not in the materials, not in the candles or the incense or the ritual theater, which I still adore. Mm. um, But I, I didn't have it. I couldn't have it. Um, I was in a, a really great hospital that not only made sure that I was taken care of, but made sure they reached out to my my high priestess as a clergy person with the respect Wonderful. given clergy. Um, because of the severity of my injuries, I had to have a private room. So they, my whole coven came up from Maryland into Delaware where the hospital was, the, it was a, the, only, the area level one trauma center. And we were given in privacy to have uh, a salon ritual in my ho- in my wow. in my hotel room, wow. um, right there in the hospital. Yeah. So they said, "Look, we're going to need about an hour." And they're like, "Well, we we will make sure that you're not interrupted." We they got vitals and medications and everything beforehand, so I had an hour of t- to myself, and we had our salon ritual in my hospital room. Wow. So I not being able to rely on the. The fun stuff, the ritual theater aspect, the the incense and the right, candles. The, oh, and I'm the... gonna I'm gonna wear this fancy cloak, and we're gonna be outside under a bonfire, and what you know that that um, I like the use of the ritual theater, but like the, I feel like the Hollywood version of what people think we do, you know, oh, yeah. um, not being able to have access to that, and I would think for quite a while, mm-hmm. um, and realizing that hey, I carry this magic within myself. It's not external; it's internal. That's a huge part of the understanding that came out of that was aesthetics are nice. I mean, they, they look nice on Instagram. They're, they're fun, but that's not where your magic lies. This, this, you know, 
brain spirit driven meat spirit, suit yeah. is where that magic lies. So how have you, have you used that, that experience, that outlook, that perspective, which I think is a really unique perspective. And honestly, if I can be so bold as to say people that haven't gone through real shit, life changing, life altering, uh, stare it in the face garbage may not understand that, you know, that people throw around terms like find your power and make sure you stand in your power, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't think that people really understand what it means to find your power, to stand in your power or to do the inner work and, and, and to, um, you know, really get into the garbage within ourselves to find that, like you said, that, that magic, that energy is within us. Um, but how have, has that experience, um, and that perspective, transferred into your workings in terms of what you're doing today and writing these books and running your company. It's so beautiful when you can reach within yourself and birth, I suppose, something greater than the sum of its parts. It's not just me and it's not just, you know, it's uh, Blackthorn's Botanical Magic was essential oils and sacred smoke was all creating plants and incenses and smoke cleansing rituals from the ground up, being able to bring something out of yourself and sort of put yourself off to the side while you're going through this, this birthing process. They, they call it book birthing for a reason. I mean, ain't that you know, the truth. Ain't that the truth. <laughs> <laughs> that there's, there's so much therapeutic stuff that's happening when you're writing a book that people uh, can't grasp. And it's, it's very similar because you were, I had this epiphany when I was writing Blackthorn's Botanical Magic, my brain said at some point, the little, the little light clicked on (laughs) and I said, this book is going to exist after I no longer exist. I'm no longer on this plane. My, my bones will be somewhere being taken care of by someone (laughs) and there, my words will live on. And it was a huge moment where I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ, what is it? What am I doing right? with my life? How, right? How oh is my- how is this my life? How is this my? You know, that's that's so. Uh, that just is very, very, very real. And I think for so many people that we have that, especially if you've written a book or or done something creative that that is um, tactile that will last forever. You know. Um, the the book birthing and like you said there's there's so much emotional shit there's like serious psychology that happens when you're writing a book that is your truth right i don't i don't know what it's like for everybody else i don't know what it's like for everybody i don't know what it's like if you're writing a fiction novel i don't know what that's like but i would assume the process is the same when i first started writing a kitchen witch's guide to love and romance i would have and i still do i have this all the time like one minute i'm like oh my god i can't believe i'm writing a book and the next minute I'm like crippling self-doubt. Oh my gosh. Right? Oh my God. And then I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I want to just read this paragraph to everyone. Oh my God, what if no one likes it? And then you have those, you have those moments where you think, like you just said, holy shit, like you said that, my book is gonna last after I'm gone. And I literally had a little bit of a heart thump and went, oh fuck. Oh my God. Oh my God. You mean like when I'm, somebody's going to, in a library somewhere, 20 years after I die, somebody might pick up this book and be like, hey, I found this Penny Olive Vodka recipe in this Kitchen Witch book and it's delicious. That's legacy. That's crazy. Does that blow your mind on a regular? Every day. Every day. Every day. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, holy shit, somebody in Poland knows who I am. Like, that's completely outside of my realm of understanding right even five years ago it's insane and that kind of like bringing it full circle sort of you having come through this transformation process and finding this new life and the meaning behind it being able to reach other people being able to share your views your magic your spiritual practices your ideas with other people that will live on. So you have this, I chose to live, right? Being in that horrible accident, being dead, choosing to come back into this realm so that you can technically, wait for it, live forever. 
<laughs> Whoa, dude. Oh my God. You just blew my fucking brain open. Um, on that note, we're going to take like a two second break here from our amazing sponsors and we'll be right back. Would you like to uncover the secrets to becoming a powerful psychic witch? Popular writer and witch Matt Oren reveals his most closely guarded tips, practices, and meditations for unlocking your psychic abilities and elevating your witchcraft into exciting new territory with his best-selling international hit book, Psychic Witch, A Metaphysical Guide to Meditation, Magic, and Manifestation. Featuring over 90 exercises, this groundbreaking book helps your magic and your senses reach their full potential. Witchcraft and psychicism are two sides of the same coin. They complement and strengthen one another. Psychic Witch provides everything you need to not only master the perception of manipulation of energy, but also to perform magic anywhere and at any time. This ingenious book teaches you how to use subtle energy in new ways and manifest your perceptions into instant magical results. Praised by over 75 prominent witchcraft teachers and elders, you can grab a copy of this multiple award-winning hit in paperback anywhere books are sold or on audio from Audible. You can also pick a book up from mattoren.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. Have you ever wanted to see how your life can improve with a life coach? Have you ever thought about hiring a coach to see how they can help you achieve your goals? Now is your chance. Dana Joy from Seize the Day Life Coaching is offering our listeners a special, special promotion. You get three sessions for the price of one when you mention hearing this ad when you sign up with Dana Joy at Seize the Day Life Coaching. There are so many reasons to work with a life coach, but most importantly, to invest in yourself. This is the best investment you can ever make. Dana Joy comes from a career, a background of working with corporate environments, sales teams, high-powered sales, and she gave that all up so that she could become a mindset coach and a career coach to help people like you reach their goals for happiness and work through your limiting beliefs to realize your full potential in your life. Don't go through life alone. Hire a coach. Call Dana Joy at Seize the Day Life Coaching. Mention this ad and get three sessions for the price of one. Book your appointment today with a caring, motivational coach just waiting to help you realize your best life. Check out Dana at SeizeTheDayLifeCoaching.com. That's Seize the Day, S-E-A-S, The Day, LifeCoaching.com. Hey guys, I am ridiculously excited to tell you about what is going on with our friends at That Witch Life Podcast. Okay, you know how much we love our friends at That Witch Life. They are just fantastic and amazing. One of my favorite witchcraft podcasts. But they are hosting their very, very first virtual conference on living as a witch in today's world. It's called So Moat That Con on October 16th and 17th. That's right around the corner. Oh my God, so exciting. You can join this live virtual event from anywhere in the world. You could get online and see workshops and rituals, raffle prizes. Speakers include Amy Cesari of The Coloring Book of Shadows, Naya Lightfoot, Morgan Delamere, Evo Dominguez Jr., Courtney Weber, and even I am going to be giving a workshop on kitchen witchery. Oh my God, so exciting. Registration is now open at thatwitchlife.com. That's thatwitchlife.com. Early bird registration is available until September 21st, so you want to get on this as fast as possible. You guys should all be going to this. It just sounds like so much fun. It's a one of a kind, first time they're doing this event. 
You know it's going to be good if that which life is behind it. Super excited. Get your tickets, thatwitchlife.com for these early bird registration. And if you miss the early bird registration, don't worry, you can still get your tickets. So excited. That Witch Life Podcasts, brand new virtual conference, SoMote.com, October 16th and 17th online. Can't wait to see you there, guys. We are back on the Kuchina Aurora Kitchen Witchery Podcast for another episode of Conversational Witchcraft with the amazing, <laughs> amazing Amy Blackthorn. Oh my God. All right. So, holy crap. I, I, your story is just like, I, I'm, I'm just blown away with your journey. And you had said that you found your first witchcraft book at 11 years old. Now, oftentimes I ask people, you know, what non-pagan influences were you exposed to as a kid, as a teenager that sort of shaped your path or were, um, you know, indicative of who you might become as a witch? But you're telling me you found the path of witchcraft at 11 years old. So so how did that happen? (laughs) So I have a, I come from a larger family. I have... Uh, four sisters. I'm the I'm smack dab in the middle. So I shared my bedroom with my older sister, Holly, for most of my memory. <clears throat> the two younger girls, uh, Brandy and Katie, had their own bedroom, like did their own thing, had their little secret handshakes <laughs> and bunk beds. So I felt bad for Holly for a while because I'm three years younger. So at least if she had to share a room with somebody, it could have been a little closer. Mm-hmm. And anybody who has younger siblings knows the first way to get your younger sibling involved in your business is to tell them to go away. Tell them you're not invited. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I need my space. Right. Oh, well, guess where I am right now? Right. Right up in your business. Right. So one day, my my sister and her best friend in the whole world, Christine, who is awesome, uh, come home and there's giggling and there's there's rustling noises like they probably stopped at the local convenience store and get gum and candy and right ridiculousness and holly says you gotta go you 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 there i, I don't care this is your space to get, get out. out yeah uh so obviously i had to figure out what they were giggling and rustling yeah. noises were involving because okay you've now piqued my interest right there, whatever that was went out the window. <laughs> so the the evening progresses. I go and do something. Christine goes home. We we go to bed for the evening. Holly falls asleep. Oh. I'm waiting for this. So I like pink panther slide out of my bed <laughs> and across the floor on the tippies of my toes and my fingers. <laughs> over to where her book bag is, open it one tooth of the zipper at a time. <laughs> so it doesn't so wake her sure up. That, yes. Right, right. right, right. You can't get caught. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. That would be the worst. <laughs> no. That would be the death of me, part one. Right. So I, I get the bag open and I look and there's a Wicca Guide for Solitary Practitioner by Scott Cunningham. The Cunningham. The Cunningham. Wow. So I like stick it under my jams tippy toe back across the room, slide back into the bed and not even a flashlight because that attracts too much attention. I am reading this shit by the light of the gas station a block away (laughs) (laughs) through the window. It's great. And I, and I, I dive right in and I read the whole thing in probably an hour or two. And I was immediately entranced. I had to have everything that's ever been written about witchcraft in my brain right now we weren't raised with any particular um, denomination of Christianity. We just went to whatever church was closest right? because that's, you know, mom and dad can sleep off your hangover while I'm over here and do my business. Uh, so they had, they'd have, they'd arranged for someone from church to come pick us up and we'd go and sort of like, Oh, that's, that's a thing you do. Okay. Right. I'll be over here. So at 11, finding something that, spoke to me so viscerally was life-changing 
uh, I, we lived not too far from the local library, but it was a, a very small, as I mentioned, a very, very small neighborhood in uh, northern, northern Maryland. There was, it was a, the library had one room and it was probably 500 square feet. Wow. <laughs> and so I went through and I, I read everything in the nonfictions I could, you started in the 133s and, right. you know, how do I, oh yes, my witchy books are next to UFO theory and right. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's figure out what's, what's happening. And I think the first book I picked up after coming in was those Sarah Lyndon Morrison, um, black cover with the big angry red lettering witchcraft volume three uh, <laughs> like time that's life <laughs> that's great that's great so wh- what about your sister did she also get on the same path or was she just oh, like yeah. it was just As, a joke no 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 it was it, um she actually wound up giving the um giving cunningham to my my older cousin um tabitha with in between me and holly so and she got a copy and it's like Oprah, you get a copy and so, you get yeah, a copy. Like a whole a little copy. family of, of little witches. <laughs> so I love but it. nobody knew anybody else right. was doing anything. Right. So by the time I came out of the broom closet at 15, you know, I sat down with my my peep who I who I dedicated um Blackthorns Botanical Magic to. I I she was the first person I told. I'm like, peep, I gotta you like sit down, I gotta talk to you. She is that person who is unconditional positive regard in your life nothing i could do would be wrong like let's figure it out i'm here for you i love you i support you wow and and she's like oh that's that's cool i gave her my copy of cunningham she read through it she's like oh this seems very cool and very nice she it she went on to go and find local witchy stores to to buy gifts for me uh, as a matter of fact so supportive the video there's a big uh, silver pentacle behind my head it's probably it's a laminated plate plate. yeah it's it's giant it's probably two feet across that is a gift from pete for yule in probably 2007 wow (laughs) how wonderful Uh, it is to have someone in your life who is so supportive of your path you know i mean especially at such a young age a week later my sister holly shows up at peep's house and goes hey peep guess what i'm a witch like expecting this huge dramatic reveal and she says oh yeah amy told me about that last week like what else you got (laughs) she was (laughs) devastated that i I stole her thunder completely unbeknownst to me no that's that's so great because you guys growing up being able to share that i can't even imagine i can't i grew up in a very traditional italian catholic family that yeah (laughs) my my mother's maiden name (laughs) ends with a t yeah like Um, like very you know very traditional italian catholic and so there was and but but like you you know like you're going to church and you're like whatever it's just a thing you do like i never really i didn't resonate you know mm -hmm. so i've i haven't heard anyone yet that i have interviewed that has found like found the solid path at such a young age does that impact like the way you see new witches now like you see people that have found the path and they're like in their 40s and you're like oh honey or are you like no come on (laughs) let me tell you everything like how do you or or young witches like how do you respond to them knowing that you were so young when you found the path i had so many people um even even people i respected who at that point when i was so very young still want to give you the verbal head pat like oh there well, there you're nice. yeah you're only 18 or you're only mm-hmm. whatever you know you don't mm-hmm. you don't know your ass from a hole in the ground right and it's like i appreciate that you have that lived experience but don't treat people that way right especially now when it comes to something as personal as religion absolutely telling some telling your child your nephew whoever that they're sincerely held religious beliefs are just a phase is the most insulting thing I can think of at the moment. (laughs) Agree 100%. I absolutely adore, like I, I make ridiculous noises when I find someone has found one of my books and it's their first book. Yes. Like it's such an honor to be able to, to sort of nudge them out of the nest, like go and, and, Mm -hmm. and experience life and, find that beauty anywhere you can life can get pretty dark sometimes but having something that you can look to something that you can connect with is so so important if i didn't have 
my coven or my ritual or my belief system when they're telling me you're you, you died and right that's pretty much not going to get any better from here right like that would have annihilated someone yeah if that's, you don't have that that pillar of faith you know people throw around the word faith but faith is for me something that is a word that means belief in something larger more powerful than myself and if you don't have that something like what you went through could really destroy a person because that faith that belief in something larger than yourself or belief in your own inner power is the the bedrock in which we build our lives right yeah. so and i think it's especially true for people in the pagan community because our spirituality whatever brand of paganism you study or believe it's so very real it's so very tactile we're talking about elements we're talking about earth we're talking about you know drinks and food and herbs and things you can touch and feel and and that the the energies within them so it is really really real and really grounding how important that must have been for you to have and and to have you know if it was me i found the path at 18 i only would have had you know two or three years of the the very fledgling foundation of my spiritual path if something like that had happened to me at 21 but you had it for 10 years to to build upon so that's just that's just fantastic um, i believe that i i made a believer out of my doctors yeah um, i would say you did <laughs> well that's the thing i then the day that so i was in surgery for an entire day yeah. putting me back together like humpty dumpty so it's a saturday my first full day being a person um is now saturday and the doctors came in and the you know the CNAs come in to change your sheets and they're trying to figure out how to change my sheets because it, I'm in so much pain that someone walking into the room, I, I would scream just from the vibration of that floor. Just, I stood up out of that bed, two broken legs, two broken arms, broken pelvis, like my, my pelvis cracked in half. I stood up out of the bed quick enough for them to change my sheets. Um, the speed at which I recovered a good portion of my my person led the doctors to say like what exactly is your secret here because you should not be progressing the way that you are mm -hmm. and if this is something I can replicate with another patient you've got to tell me what I can do and I told him I said I have a tradition of 500 witches who are doing magic so that I will live to see tomorrow and he's like shit I can't replicate that no, you absolutely <laughs> cannot uh, replicate that. Um, you had mentioned before about someone, you know, when you hear of someone finding your work, finding one of your books, and it's, especially when it's their first book. Um, but let's talk about your upcoming project because that's super exciting. The uh, Protection Magic book. Would you share with us a little bit about what that's going to be about and what we can anticipate um, from you in terms of, is it similar to the books that you've already written? Is it totally different? Tell us all about that. So this is a, it's longer than Sacred Smoke, but it's not as big as um, Botanical Brews. So it's sort of in that middle ground, uh, which is hard because I, 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 I talk. <laughs> Just, that's, how, that's how I teach. I, I'm a storyteller. Right. So the, the thought of trying to smunch things in just doesn't work. Uh, I have spent the last uh, almost 15 years, a little bit more than 15 years, I've spent 15 years in executive protection and personal security whoa yes so that's like, during muggle, the day, that's like your muggle world yep that's fucking awesome executive protection. sorry i got really excited about that yeah um and there's there's been super fun things like um getting to dress up in fancy clothes and no one knows that you're you know jane bond i love um, it i love it so awesome um but there's there's definitely difficult parts because it a lot of the executive protection detail things like it eats your whole life sure there can't, there's not a lot of room left for other things when you're so involved with um i was the personal bodyguard for the seattle about 30 million dollar company um and it was like i worked seven days a week um you know sometimes 14 hour days and there was no life left for anything for else. life yeah for life yeah there's, um, no, there's no room left for life no so 
I was, I was really excited to be able to transition to getting more in touch with my witchy self uh, full time. I, I left executive protection in my day job and, and now can be a witch 24 hours a day. Um, but it's so important that I felt like in, in the books that I've had in the past, I felt like that was missing. Like I had to be two people. Yep. I had to be, you know, muggle Amy during the day and I had to be witchy Amy, you know, when I'm mm-hmm. doing intuitive readings and, mm-hmm. and talking with clients, but it, it, those two pieces of myself were so difficult. Um, I, I transitioned to, from one-on-one protection to a really fantastic job where I was the head of security for two high rises in Delaware here. Uh, so that's 45 floors full of people whose lives were my purview. Wow. Wow. Um, lots of stuff, lots of, oh my goodness, you know, yeah. getting woken up at two o'clock in the that's morning. That's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> that's a lot of responsibility. My goodness. Yes. It was the, they're the two largest buildings in the state of Delaware. And one day, one of my officers, <laughs> I'm getting in. I was always at my desk at 5 a.m. I'm not a morning person. This is not a thing that happens. No, not a morning person. So I'm coming in at 5 a.m. and I'm relieving one of my officers to go downstairs to monitor the cameras. He leaves at whatever, eight o'clock in the morning. And he says, so I hear you're a witch. Oh, uh, what? Excuse me? <laughs> what did you say to my face? Wow. Uh, I didn't talk about my Amy Blackthorn life at work. Right. That's not a thing. I've, I've had issues before. I've, sure. I've been, I've gotten death threats. Uh, I've, I've had people show up at my house, threaten to burn my house down, kill my pets, kill my family. Like it, It's so it super be- when people are so loving and supportive of other people and super respectful of other people's, you know, um, <laughs> Life practices and, and privacy. It's the best. Super great. Super great. Uh, <laughs> so I made sure that those two things were completely separate. How did you find Amy Blackthorn? Um, he had done an illegal uh, background check on me to figure out like what I was hiding. Like, I am your boss, first of all. <sighs> My life is none of your fucking business. Seriously. Seriously. Um, and thought it was the funniest shit ever. He's just really amused himself. Uh, 30 seconds later, I, I swear, he gets as fast as he got down to the basement. The guy he was relieving called me to see if I changed the color of the orchids that are, you know, the orchid arrangement that's behind me. I'm like, no, sorry, that those were got changed out a week ago. Nice try. Like, let's make jokes about it. So, you know, I never really to- understand what people like try that, like, they, they want to go after, like, and make fun of the witches. Like, if you really believe that we are who we say we are maybe you should be a little nicer maybe we are not the people you want to mess with just i'm just Perhaps. i'm just gonna put that out there i'm just <laughs> i'm just gonna say that wow um, wow so i'm thrilled that i can i have a project where i can incorporate some of the additional pieces of myself uh, i can i can not just help people experience and understand but embrace the the idea that your protection magic should also include your physical person it's not just about it's not just about you know making sure no one curses you or hexes you or right it's also about making sure that you make it to tomorrow yeah we're not just it it, right oftentimes protection magic is make sure you put salt on your doorstep and you know, hang these herbs and carry these stones with you. Great. Awesome. But what about the physical realm of protection being, like you said, like your physical body, making sure, you know, people can physically hurt you, be it attacks or accidents or, or, you know, I lived through a house fire. So that kind of thing, like, you know, these are real tactile things that can happen to a human being. Whether or whatever, whatever spiritual practice they have. So how cool is it that you're able to take both sides of the knowledge that you have and combine them together? I think that's incredibly valuable to the community. I really do. When we look at how we 
comport ourselves as magical practitioners, there's often a lack in that area. It's like, okay, if I do everything, then, then everything will be great. And nothing bad will ever happen to me. And that's nice. It's not true. But, but it's not It's not what happens. It's no. not how the world works. No, life um, is still life. Life is still going to happen. Life is still going to happen. You know, when we live, my husband and I lived through that fire and that's about uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And uh, I I remember, you know, watching the building burn down and and saying to him, I don't know how this happened. You know, I do so much protection work. I was always doing protection magic. I was always using garlic. I was always, you know, doing protection work in our home, in our household. Um, And he was like, well, yeah, it worked. We're alive. We shouldn't be, but we are. And I was like, oh, that's a really that's a good point because you know, you're, <laughs> you're right. But I think that sometimes you don't see that. And we also don't we don't put those things together in the physical yes. world. Right. Because life still happens. Shit still happens. Bad things are still going to happen because there are things that are out of our control, even though we're witches, you know. So to have that perspective, I just I think that's a really great um I think it's a really great offering for you to be able to make people aware. Yes. When you, uh, in the, in the green witchcraft tradition, it's important to take a note of the plants that are occupying the same space that you are, you know, what is their proximity to your home? Are they in your front yard or are they just at the edge of your, your property line? How the closeness of you t- and the proximity to your house tells you how important it is. And getting to know and recognize these plants and develop an allyship a relationship with them tells you a lot. It was this uh, spring slash summer of 2008. And I was doing my, my beating the bounds, my, my relationship with my land. And I noticed the fence we had, we had a small area had got a new fence for the girls uh, had a smaller fenced in area for the girls to my dogs to go and play and romp in the backyard. But the, you know, two thirds of that circumference was now ringed with poke. I don't know what that is. (sighs) I will tell you. Uh, Poke is a weed that gets about six feet tall. It's bright purple leaves and purple and green. Sort of reminds us of rhubarb, but it gets purple berries on it. I have tons of that. Yes, it's amazing. It's fabulous. It's beautiful, um, but poisonous. Very poisonous. Right. Like even the birds so, won't eat it. Very poisonous. Right. Yes. Very bitter. Um, Appalachian women uh, will eat the first berry that ripens. And it's a anti-inflammatory that will last for a year until the next berry ripens. Wow. It is very powerful medicine. Um, it, it is, at the, the plant itself is edible if it's six feet or, or six inches or under, but it takes a lot to prepare it. Yeah. So it's to don't poison yourself. I won't. I swear uh, so i'm looking at this i'm like what is this telling me if it's poisonous it's protecting itself it can protect you it can protect you know there's that whole relationship i say okay what are you protecting me from what is going on here that you you're like bam you exist now there's we're in the woods my my property backs up to a a nature preserve yeah so there's lots of trees like where did this come from Mm -hmm. to just bam like Okay, I gotta, I gotta do some work on this. It turns out that I had a stalker, a um, wow. convicted sex offender who had decided that I was whatever, whatever was going on in his head. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I'm, I'm, admittedly, I've had this conversation a hundred times. I am not a garden witch. Uh, you would think I would be because I'm a kitchen witch, but um, I'm. I have a black thumb. I cannot grow anything edible uh, except my herbs, which I've been working with for 20 years. So I'm okay with, you know, my rudimentary, not nowhere near Amy Blackthorn level. Okay. <laughs> let's just be honest. I have thriving peppermint, but you can't kill peppermint. Like you could try and try and it won't die. Um, obviously I have rosemary, sage, thyme, basil, you know, all the standards, lavender, dill, all the standards. Cannot grow vegetables for the life of me we have a fungus here that's like in the ground and there's just no way to get rid of it um but it's really interesting that you mentioned about the protection because when we bought this house four years ago literally surrounded in poison ivy and i mean poison ivy as tall as a grown man in the front yard it's all we removed everything in the front yard 
Um, but there's still tons of it in the backyard because it's sort of like a wooded area and we don't go back oh, yeah. there. So it's, it's fine out there for right now, but, and it's, it's far away from the house. It's at the, it's the border of the house, which now that you're having this conversation, <laughs> I didn't put that together, but wow. And it's like, it's like the poison ivy. And then like in front of it is like rows and rows of this purple berry plant you're talking about. Poke, mm, wow. it's good stuff. Poke wow. is so fat. So you, a lot of people like to make ink out of the poke berries. Mm-hmm. You can find out how in the back of Blackthorn's Botanical Magic. Blackthorn's Botanical Magic, pick it up. In the very back, the last chapter is divination with different plants and how to develop relationships with them. But one of those things is how to make poke berry ink. And because poke is a protective plant, I have a special journal set aside to write down my anxieties and my worries and the things that I want to be protected from because poke ink is natural. It fades. So as I want those worries and anxieties to fade, I write them in poke ink and in a year or two, they're gone. You can sort of see the outline of where they were. And And you can remember them and have reverence for them, but they have left. How fucking cool is that? Amy, Blackthorn, you are an absolute delight. Uh, I am super excited about that new book coming out. The it, the full name is Blackthorn's Botanical Protection. Can you give us the full? Blackthorn's Protection Magic, Protection Magic, a Green Witch's Guide to Self Defense. Oh, I love it! I love it. So, uh, I have one last question for you before we wrap up, yes. and this is a question I ask every guest. Um, because, well, and, and you probably have a really good handle on this because you do so much work with herbs and foods and drinks and all that sort of thing. But if you could have me as a kitchen witch make you one meal, what magical meal would you have me cook for you? One of my favorite meals out of the entirety of my OU, um, it's a pork tenderloin mm. that is... Uh, I use cocoa as a dry rub Mm. and then I sear it on both sides and then I tuck it in the oven with an apple cider reduction that just breaks down all the the tough parts and Mm -hmm. it's incredible. And when it, the pork melds with the, this apple cider reduction that you've created, it is the most delicious and decadent. It has all the love magic of apple it has the nurturing fortitude of and love that's associated with chocolate. Um, it makes this gorgeous sauce that you can put over potatoes. Mm. Um, I, I do like chocolate and red pepper um, on the some roasted potatoes, a little bit of onion. That that's the kind of that's awesome. Thing I would so, love for so you to make. Basically, uh, what I'm I'm doing is on the show notes for this. There's going to be a link for a recipe that you've inspired me to create. So I'm feeling like you're talking about the pork with the cocoa, but I feel like it should be a cocoa coffee rub. Yes. Right. And I want to, I want to layer it with some sort of, I love the apple cider reduction, but I also feel like you need like, I want to put like a dark sort of balsamic glaze on that. And I want to lay it over like a sweet potato mash. Yeah. Right. Like that's 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 what I'm getting. So I'm going to work up that recipe and that recipe will be in the notes for this, for this um, episode. And speaking of the notes for this episode, Amy, where can our guests find you online? Are you, do you have a website? Tell us uh, your social media, all that jazz. All the things that Amy does. So you can find me at amyblackthorn.com. I always update it with the up to the minute news with what, where I'm writing, what I'm happening with. Uh, there's free downloads for the first 30 pages or so of all of my books so if you want to check them out before you buy them there's there's links where you can download those Uh, blackthornsbotanicals.com will take you to my tea shop where you can also get autographed copies of my books their tea shop is amazing it's amazing we could do a whole episode just on tea okay (laughs) let's be honest my pandemic craft was making spell candles Mm -hmm. so those are on the website there's oils from botanical magic in there you can find you can find my podcast on on Anchor, uh, the Blackthorn Grove. You can do all the fabulous things that I chat about with people. We've got some really amazing guests lined up. 
<laughs> so I would, I would could, not, I'm no, no pressure. I'm not like inviting myself over or anything, but if you would like, I would be. No, I'm totally to inviting you. you. <laughs> I would be having, ha. Huh? Uh, because I love to ha- chatting with you. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Amy Blackthorne, author on both Facebook and Instagram. Excellent. There's also all sorts of fun reviews. There's tarot decks that I feature on Instagram. Awesome. I just did one for the spacious tarot. Uh, this one is the spaces in individual tarot cards. Like the, the fool is the cliff from the fool's perspective. Oh, cool. So you get to, oh, the, so I was cool. in writing Black Thorns Protection Magic. I was looking for tarot inspiration to talk about using the majors for protection magic. So cool. It's a whole chapter. So cool. Um, but the death card grabbed me by the face. I love the Tudor rose that's in the traditional tarot mm-hmm. on the flag. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, it's, you can see the skeletal hands reaching for the Tudor rose, but the wrists, the, the vines are starting to reclaim the bones of of death and it's amazing (laughs) amazing um well listen this is all awesome i have had the best time with you thank you so much for coming on um check her out amy blackthorn all of her information will be on the notes for this episode um check out her books my favorite uh black blackthorn's botanical brews uh which we unfortunately didn't really cover too much of but the the drinks are amazing uh and they pair well with great food so like she's gonna make the drinks i'm gonna make the food we're gonna have a fucking party and it's gonna be great yes, um amy, party ever thank you so much for being here uh until next time i leave you with many blessings and so much gratitude thank you so much for being here thank you so much 